Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Today's episode is brought to you by West Holm. We all know from home cooks to restaurant chefs to eating enthusiasts that the quality of your ingredients makes all the difference, especially when it comes to meat. West Holm, which is based in Queensland in the Northern Territory, Australia, is working with the land to create nature-led Australian Wagyu. They steward 16 million acres of rangeland, guided by the natural ecosystem where their cattle thrive. The result is high-quality Wagyu beef that reflects the terroir of Northern Australia and a flavor suited to complement any cuisine. West Holm believes that when nature leads, flavor follows. Learn more at westholm.com slash savor. That's W-E-S-T-H-O-L-M-E dot com slash saver. Your new home journey starts at Fisher Homes, where everything is red, white, and new. Explore exclusive summer savings and start your journey by selecting your ideal home site and your dream community. Choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans and bring your style to life at the Lifestyle Design Center. Are you looking for a quick move-in ready home instead? Fisher Homes has options for those, too. Fill out a form to connect with a new home advisor at fisherhomes.com to get started today before the sun sets on summer savings. Before AI can help your business predict demand, accelerate growth, inform decisions, automate tasks, reveal insights, generate content, you have to trust it. Introducing WatsonX Governance. Helping you govern any AI as data, models, and policies change so you can scale it responsibly. Let's create AI that begins with trust with WatsonX Governance. Learn more at ibm.com governance. IBM. Let's create. Hello and welcome to Saver, production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we've got a classic episode for you. It's our episode on aspects. Which is one of my very favorite discoveries I've ever made on this show. Because <laughs> as, as I'll talk about in this episode, I had never heard of them. I had never seen one. And uh, for people who are perhaps indoors a lot right now, <laughs> if you're looking for a rabbit hole... This is an excellent rabbit hole. This is probably one of my very favorite rabbit holes on the entire internet. Um, If I sound a little bit strange today, it's because I'm calling in. I've got some mild cold-like symptoms. I'm just decided to to isolate today, but um, but I was inspired to to, to pull this out of the archives because of a lovely tweet from one B. Bollander who, uh, who posted all like me. All I have in the cupboard is two tins of tuna fish, an expired box of Jello, and egg noodles. 1950s cookbook author's ghost calling from hell. Well, 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 not so high and mighty now, are we? <laughs> it's true. I was thinking about because I've never made one to this day, and I've never had one. But I do have a bunch of gelatin because of that time my disastrous <laughs> attempt to make marshmallows. <laughs> so, oh yeah, yeah. So maybe it's time. 
Maybe it's time. Oh man, projects, projects. I do, I do love a project. Yeah. Uh, also, yeah, I, I discovered doing my like due, due diligence research for, for this uh, intro that um, we completely failed to find a lovely Facebook group called Show Me Your Aspects. <laughs> what? It is amazing. Um, I highly recommend going to it right now. Also, apparently, there is at some point in like the four years that this Facebook group has existed, there was some kind of schism within oh, it. No. There is a breakoff group that's called Aspects with Threatening Auras. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and and it's a place for, and I quote, discovering and discussing aspects that make you feel unsafe while viewing. That is excellent. Excellent. <laughs> and fertile ground for sure. There are plenty that feel very unsettling and threatening. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh gosh! So that's that's the rest of my day, honestly. <laughs> that sounds pretty good. That sounds a pretty good day. But yeah, uh, so I guess we'll let former Annie and Lauren take it away. Hello, and welcome to Food Stuff. I'm Annie Reese, and I'm Lauren Vogelbaum, and today we're talking about acid. You might remember we mentioned this in a listener mail that we read a couple episodes ago from Sierra. Thank you, Sierra, because it was such a wonderful discovery for me. I've never heard of these things. Ah, uh, I laughed so hard. I, <laughs> I was horrified. Growing growing up watching a lot of Julia Child videos, um, I, I had definitely been exposed to that. And also my, my dad had had a little bit of training in classical French cooking, so... If you haven't seen a picture of one of these things, look them up the literal second you get a chance. Like, the second. They're so strange. And they're so funny. Because, okay, because what what is an aspic? Yes. It's basically savory jello. Uh-huh. Before you freak out, okay, have you ever enjoyed, uh, say, say tonkatsu ramen or like a nice rich stock or uh, like a bone broth kind of thing? Uh, savory gelatin a.k.a. aspic, is a chilled version of the same thing. Right. Uh, you take broth or stock or, or consomme, which is another term for clarified stock, and you jellify it, chill it, and mold it into decorative shapes, sometimes with meat or vegetables or hard-boiled eggs or whatever else you can imagine, put inside of it. I am trying to hold back from laughing just hearing the description. Okay, but like ideally, the, the point of an aspic is, is that, you know, it phase changes at your body temperature— AKA melts, so you wind up with this spoonful of cold, delicious broth on your tongue. Mm hmm. <laughs> they look ludicrous. They look absolutely just gross and very silly and wiggly. Yeah. And meaty. Very meaty and vegetable y. Uh huh. Olivey sometimes. Yeah. I mean, now you have to look them up if you haven't done it already. They, and every every gelatin mold that you can imagine has had an aspic in it at some point. Definitely. Probably some you can't imagine. There were definitely some things I never would have imagined that I stumbled in. Aspic jelly, or gelée, if you're fancy, can also be used as a kind of decoration or like condiment for cold dishes. Um, it, it, it can be like a flavorful, pretty topping that you put on top of a pâtés or terrines, or you can use it as a thin, like brushed-on glaze on cold presentations of sliced meat or seafood to give them that nice sheen. 
Oh, yes. You need the sheen. You want all your food to be shiny, uh-huh. obviously. Uh, sometimes the jelly part is basically inedible. Oh, great. Or at least very unpleasant. Um, and is simply, in heavy scare quotes, a way to show off the time and money that you have at your disposal. Uh, like like putting a whole cooked salmon inside a purely decorative aspic mold. Don't we all love having to dig through basically an inedible jelly to get to a whole cooked salmon? That's what I do at all of my fancy parties, Annie. This is why I've never invited you. I didn't think you could handle it. I promise to be less judgmental, but you have to invite me to one of these now. Uh, now that I know about it, I have to go. I guess so. In the middle of our research for this, by the way, um, a blogger slash YouTuber by the name of Emmy, as an Emmy made in Japan, uh, had a post about spaghetti jello go viral, as I have been told the kids say these days. Do they? <laughs> I, I guess. Um, uh, spaghetti jello is like a savory tomato-based jello mold with spaghettios in it, um, the way that she's made it anyway. Um, you might have seen this video, and it is it, it, it basically counts as an aspic. Yeah, it does. Um, I did have a friend whose mom, she was notorious for her um, interesting cooking, we'll say. And one time I came over, and she said she had um, orange jello with cabbage. Huh. I didn't try it. I didn't see it because okay. of those words enough. As a kid, I was like, no, no, I'm no, 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 no. But I guess maybe that was an aspect. Maybe she was offering me some form of an aspect. It, it might have counted. I uh, cer- certainly growing up, my um, my grandmother in Ohio would serve gelatin salads, mm-hmm. um, which yeah. would be like lime jello with maybe shredded carrots or something like that inside of it. And it was definitely a side salad. Sure. And it was definitely like sweet jello with carrots in it. I love that people call them salads. That's one of my favorite things. We'll do anything to like sound healthy. Yeah. But really. Yeah. I mean, it was green. Oh boy. Yep. <laughs> That's what counts these days. <laughs> and we laugh or maybe shudder at these now, but at one time they were reserved for the finest of the fine dining experience. Absolutely. Yeah, so let's look at the history of these things. Yeah. Aspects are relatively new, new kid on the block, but they might be older than you think. The first in- instances of aspects most likely go back to 18th century France. Yes, France. Like Lauren kind of mentioned in the beginning of the podcast. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, the spoiler alert. Sorry. She totally spoiled it. Ugh. The first instance of gelatin making didn't involve food at all. Instead, scraps and bones left over after an animal carcass had been picked clean would be boiled down to collagen that was then used as an adhesive for cave painting. Yeah. Good old Pliny mentions that Romans did a similar thing to produce strong fish glue. Yeah. Gelatin, useful for many things. We'll get into some of that in the science section later on. Mm Mm-hmm. Aspects were preceded by 14th century medieval savory gelatin dishes called jellies that were made with boiled pig feet and ears filtered through cloth. I found one recipe by the name of a jelly of flesh. That sounds so good. Sounds so metal. It does. It could be a band. (laughs) Yeah. The molded shapes delighted the medieval eye with the added bonus that the meats and produce inside the gelatin usually could prevent spoilage for a little longer. By uh, cutting off the air supply from oxygen-hungry bacteria. Right. 
the word jelly or gelatin may come, by the way, from the Latin gelata, meaning frozen, uh, indicating that the liquid and anything that you put in it would be frozen in place. Oh, also mm-hmm. gelato. Yeah, sure. Recipes for other savory gelatin dishes use cows' and sheep's feet instead of pigs. Uh-huh. Um, one calls for white wine, ginger, anise, cinnamon, pepper, nutmeg, mace, and saffron in the mix. Uh, and, and all of that would then be strained and poured over chopped hens and the meat from the cow and or sheep's feet. So fancy. Sounds delightful. And making these dishes was a, just a serious pain in the, uh, in the calf's foot. You'd have to boil the animal parts for several hours, then strain all of the solids out and let the remaining liquid settle for an entire day and night so that the fat would rise to the top for, skim- for skimming. Um, the, the remaining stuff was gelatin that could be reheated and then flavored and molded. There was also a specific dish I found called um, galantine. Ah. Galantine? No, no, it's spelled like Galantine's Day, but I think it's pronounced Galantine. And it was made of a minced meat and, and other stuff that was pressed into sort of like a, a round loaf and then coated in this savory gelatin with a heady spice blend. It was popular enough that Chaucer mentions it in his Ballad to Rosamond. Um, we got our compatriot Jonathan Strickland, who is an erstwhile student of Middle English, to read the original for us. Nos never peak walloed in Galantina, as e in lova am walloed and iwunda. In case you didn't catch all of that, it means something like, uh, never was pike so imbued in Galantine as I in love am imbued and wounded. Wow. That's... That's some serious stuff. <sighs> Chaucer was so thirsty. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Uh, if you want to hear more from, from Jonathan Strickland, by the way, you can catch him on the podcast Tech Stuff and also on the Facebook live show called Game Changers on How Stuff Works Facebook page. Yeah. Super fun. People, yeah. history of board games, people play board games. Mm-hmm. Uh, nice. Video games, all kinds of things. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Check them out. Thank you, Jonathan. Anyway, uh, so these sorts of recipes pop up in upper-class cookbooks from all over Europe. The British Museum cookbook reports they were often decorated with edible gold and silver leaf to make them that much more extra showy. Yes. Uh, And these cold dishes might have been especially popular due to the theory of using food to balance humors, that that whole concept of cool versus hot and wet versus dry that's going on in our bodies and in the universe around us. Um, so, so cold dishes made with gelatin were recommended especially for people with hot and moist temperaments, um, like youth and adolescence or uh, during torrid southern summers. One of these days we're going to do an episode on humors. I feel like they keep popping up. Yeah. And I'm not entirely sure. Oh. Them, but I am interested in hot and moist temperaments. That's a great descriptor. I've, I think I've known a few people like that. Oh, have you? I think we all do. (laughs) Anyway, to please the Friday non-meat-eating Catholic crowd, chefs got the idea to boil some eels in the stock of a fish like cod. 
and also swim bladders to make Catholic-approved fish jellies. Hmm. That sounds very appetizing. Ooh, yeah. Uh, uh, meanwhile, in the late 1500s, a fellow sometimes called Europe's first celebrity chef wrote about his technique of using egg whites to help clarify stock for gelatin. That was uh, Maestro Martino de Como, um, who was Italian, if you could not tell. And we'll talk more about that works also in our science section below. Towards the end of the medieval era, the definition of jelly expanded to include sweets, some made with either pectin or the Russian-discovered Isinglass, which was derived from beluga bladder sturgeons. That doesn't sound as fancy as Isinglass. <laughs> Absolutely not. Uh, rose water was a popular flavoring for these sweet jellies. And this was also about the time that the term flummery came into existence, which uh, is, is usually reserved for, for sweet gelled dishes, but has sometimes been used to hold uh, savory ingredients as well. Flummery sounds like <laughs> something you'd exclaim. Flummery! Exactly. What flummery is this? Uh, the, the, the meaning of the word has has expanded to mean something kind of like insubstantial and okay. silly. Excellent. So, yeah. I, might, I might incorporate that. Absolutely. Apart from the Lord of the Rings sounding eyes and glass, there were a few other competitors of gelatin. In 1660 Japan, it was discovered that if you processed red seaweed, you could get kanten, a seaweed-based jelly that was especially popular in Asia. Europeans called it agar-agar, and northern Europe also had a method for boiling Irish moss, or red seaweed, until they derived carrageenan. I've actually never known how to say that. Uh, which they then used to thicken things up. Other sources of jellification included heart's horn, which is made from the horns of deer, um, and ivory shavings. Ooh. Very, very fancy Indeed. Indeed. It wasn't until 1682 that gelatin technology took another leap with French mathematician Denis Papin's invention of the wonderfully named steam digester. Steam digester? Uh-huh. Hmm. This thing extracted gelatin after some serious animal bone boiling. The first industrial gelatin extracting didn't happen until 1818. Wow. Mm-hmm. 1789 marks the first time the word appeared written in English. Aspic. Yes. Yes. And at the time, it meant a cold dish of meat, fish, eggs, etc., set in molded jelly. The English got it from the French, but beyond that, the origins are kind of a mystery. Uh, yeah, aspic was also a French term at the time for a type of lavender, so maybe it got the name from lavender seasoning that was used in recipes. Uh, but some food historians and etymologists trace it to the Greek word aspis, which literally meant a round shield, but had become a name for snakes, especially ones with rounded hoods. And uh, that's where we get the word asp from. The, the shield part would certainly make sense in terms of protecting food inside the jelly, or the snake part might refer to the bright colors that are, that are used that were used in, in these uh, these aspects, you know, colored with stuff like uh, extracts of sandalwood for red, saffron for yellow, and boiled blood for black. Ooh. In William Makepeace Thackeray's 1848 novel Vanity Fair, one of the characters, <gasps> no spoilers, dies via <laughs> an aspic of plover's eggs. Ooh. Huh. Ugh. Doesn't sound good. The famous French dictionary Litre from around that time lists as cold as an aspic as a proverbial phrase. Mm -hmm. Speaking of proverbs, uh, the Brits apparently use one to this day uh, that is set in aspic, which means uh, something that's stubbornly gelled in its outdated ways. Yes, and this was used in a recent headline about yeah. Br British politics. So, so 
Oh, it's great. Yeah, still in use. Love it. There was an amazing variety of fanciful aspects described in a cookbook from 1769 called The Experienced English Housekeeper by one Elizabeth Raffold. And she laid out just these spectacular jellies that were made with calf's foot stock clarified with egg whites. Picture, if you will. Whole pigeons roasted with sprigs of myrtle stuck in their beaks, encased in clear gelatin. Or a gelatin fish pond made with a large and small colored flummery fishes, also encased in clear gelatin. Or a hen's nest made out of shredded lemon peel, set in gelatin, filled with gelatin eggs molded in real eggshells or with molded gelatin chickens. I, I want to hang out with this lady. She sounds fabulous. Oh, so fabulous. But Aspic's heyday had not yet arrived, and soon they would be propelled into culinary fame by one extra-famous chef. But before we get to that, let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Westholm. I'm a person who doesn't really cook with a lot of meat, to be honest, because when I do, I want it to be special. I'm the same, and I do love sharing that food with people. And I have to say, we received some product, some steak, Mm -hmm. and I am very eager to share it with my friends. Yeah, uh, Westholm sent us uh, a few of their products, and they included these gorgeous, gigantic tomahawk steaks that I, like, opened the box and immediately sent a picture to my best grilling friend, like, hang out soon. Yes, I did too. (laughs) Westholm offers these beautifully marbled steaks because they have 16 million acres of rangeland across the northeast corner of Australia, from Brisbane to Darwin. They use a nature-led approach with the belief that if they balance the needs of their cattle with the needs of their environment, both can thrive. Their cattle graze on native grasses like Mitchell grass, which is found only in Australia, and roam wild, foraging at will for the first two to three years of their lives. The result is Wagyu beef that reflects the terroir of northern Australia and a quality that would complement whatever you're into cooking right now. Westholm believes that when nature leads, flavor follows. Learn more at westholm.com slash savor. That's W-E-S-T-H-O-L-M-E dot com slash savor. Today's episode is brought to you by Discover Puerto Rico. We've talked in a bunch of different episodes about facets of Puerto Rican cuisine, um, like the dish mofongo, made of savory, deep-fried mashed plantains studded with some kind of tasty protein, and the creation of the cool, creamy pina colada. But there is so much more there. Um, I've actually never been. You have a tiny bit of experience, don't you? Yes. Unfortunately, it was a very tiny bit of experience. (laughs) I was there for about a day. I'm kicking myself for that now. I remember having delicious rums, delicious drinks. But I want to go back because, yeah, so many episodes we do on here, when we're talking about food from Puerto Rico, I want that. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) it sounds amazing. We're trying to get a saver team trip together. Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, we're we're trying to get a trip to a lot of places, but this is this is really top of the list. Even putting together this ad read made me hungry. I was like, oh, oh, I want to try those things. Yeah, as we've talked about before, there are influences there from African and Spanish and native Taino foodways. The culinary scene sounds amazing, and we want to go. And I'm hungry. No passport is required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. You can learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. 
Your new home journey starts at Fisher Homes, where everything is red, white, and new. Explore exclusive summer savings and start your journey by selecting your ideal home site and your dream community. Choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans and bring your style to life at the Lifestyle Design Center. Are you looking for a quick move-in ready home instead? Fisher Homes has options for those, too. Fill out a form to connect with a new home advisor at fisherhomes.com to get started today before the sun sets on summer savings. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. The person we have to thank for bringing aspects into the limelight. Limelight? Yes, it's a major foreshadowing pun. Was the famous 19th century chef Antonin Carême, who we talked about for a decent bit during our French cuisine episode. He is also known as one of the first celebrity chefs. Mm -hmm. He adored these things. Oh, yeah. Oh, And to do it right, in his mind, you needed a calf's foot. Yeah. And that's because... As we said before, you had to boil it down, clarify it, set it. Because of the time involved, aspects were extremely expensive and enjoyed almost exclusively by the rich, acting as centerpieces on tables that overfloweth with decor, food, and drink. It was assumed that if you presented an aspic in such a manner, you must have a waitstaff who did all the work for you. And in Karem's terminology, he called this chauffeur, are cooked hot, served cold. Chauffeur. Yes. And like we mentioned in our French food episode, Carême was a chef under Napoleon, so the aspects he perfected were towering, multi-layered structures to behold, sometimes composing tableau. His final cookbook, published posthumously, featured an entire chapter complete with diagrams, diagrams on the mighty, extremely customizable aspects. Oh, yeah, just these these ribboned layers of, of different colors, and they looked like castles, and they had these turrets, and it was, oh, it was a lot. Yes, they're pretty great. Look them up. The European Association of Luxury and Aspect made the journey across to the American colonies where they were popular with rich southern plantation owners and where they were probably made by slaves and rich elite in New York. And you wouldn't believe who's popping up again, but Thomas Jefferson. Oh, of course. Of course. He combined French wine and the French aspect to offer guests at Monticello wine jellies. That sounds pretty lovely. Yeah. The Industrial Revolution brought the aspect to a wider audience with the invention of packaged gelatin. Ooh. Yes. In 1845, New York, glue manufacturer Peter Cooper patented a powdered mix of processed sugar, spices, eggs, and lemon he called the first dessert gelatin mix. However, in the words of JelloGallery.org, it didn't really gel with the American public. Oh. They, they beat us to that one. They did. <laughs> Uh, It was, however, inexpensive, being that it was a byproduct of the meat industry, which gave enterprising folks the motivation to work with it. And meanwhile, uh, aspic-based dishes never really went out of fashion in most of Europe. Victorians, for example, were mad about complex gelled dishes, like a foie gras set in bombshell gelatin molds decorated with ringlets stamped out of egg, set on beds of more gelatin and also artichokes. Part of the draw of these things uh, is that they could be 
prepared a day ahead, leaving the day of the party for other business. Oh, man. These sound so epic. (laughs) A couple of years later, in 1897, Pearl B. Waite, who made cough syrups, added food coloring to the mix of, like, dried gelatin powder to create a product his wife suggested he call Jell-O. Huh. Yes, that Jell-O, which he patented that year. But two years later, he sold it to Genesee Food Company for $450, which is around about 11000 of today's American dollars. Which I guess isn't super shabby, unless you consider the empire that Jell-O is. Mm-hmm. By 1900, Genesee Food Company was putting out pamphlets and short cookbooks complete with Jell-O recipes to increase demand. They weren't the only ones promoting Jell-O in the early 1900s either. Companies that manufactured chillers or refrigerators got in the game, too. For instance, General Electric came out with a cookbook to help you get the most out of your new refrigerator. If you take a look at the salad section, yes, the salad section, a majority of them are aspics. And these ad campaigns were very successful. Uh, Jell-O and the aspect really took off in the United States. Housewives liked them because they were quick, cheap. The dessert ones even saved you sugar. Increased the life of leftovers, and this was really important during the Great Depression. And yet, they somehow managed to keep this sort of showstopper, luxurious reputation, in part due to the time it took for the gelatin to set. And also, they were the le- one of the least messy things you could feed your kids. Oh, along those lines, there's um there's a book called Perfection Salad, written by food historian Laura Shapiro about women in cooking around the turn of the 20th century. And, and she writes that this concept of, of the cleanliness of food, literally and psychologically, was just a major motivator at the time, um, which we've previously discussed in various episodes about the rise of a clean eating culture promoted by people like uh, Graham and Kellogg, uh, you know, the, the pure food craze. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shapiro wrote of the gelatin salad, A salad at last in control of itself. At last. At last. (laughs) Jell-O did a good job of capitalizing on the 1906 Food and Drug Act, advertising its safety pouch, (laughs) and using the word pure three times. Uh, This act was prompted by Upton Sinclair's The Jungle, which is that infamous look into the realities of the meat industry. Oof, it's a rough one, Mm -hmm. but definitely worth reading. Oh, yeah. In 1908, Jell-O debuted the smash hit Jell-O Girl that hailed the product as all that was pure and innocent about childhood. Sugar, and thus Jell-O, was rationed during World War I, which put a damper on things, but the product came back swinging once the war was over, helped along by the Great Depression, and new flavor lime Jell-O. Apparently, the flavor was so loved, entire cookbooks were devoted to it. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Another development that helped gelatin salad's popularity, uh, that popularization of the electric refrigerator. Mm -hmm. By the end of the 1930s, about 60% of households in America had one, um, and they kept food cooler more consistently. The Oxford Encyclopedia of Food and Drink in America estimates that up to a third of all recipes printed in cookbooks at the time involved gelatin. That's crazy. And Jell-O wasn't the only gelatin in the game. Charles Knox of Knox Unflavored Gelatin touted his product at the 1904 World's Fair. A year later, the Perfection Salad, the recipe, not the book, made its debut at a Knox-sponsored cooking contest in Pennsylvania. This aspect consisted of finely chopped cabbage, celery, and red pepper. It won third place, and in 1972, James Beard wrote that this aspect's triumph 
unleashed a demand for congealed salads that has grown alarmingly, particularly in the suburbs. These salads, it still feels weird to call them that, were perceived as a lady food. So light and delicate. Uh-huh. That, the title and of Knox Yelton cookbook was Dainty Desserts for Dainty People. Oh, man. Yeah. I don't think that's a book marketed to us, Annie. No, I don't think so. <laughs> And yet they still held on to their higher status when during World War II, serving an aspect was kind of like saying to your friends, you could throw quite the dinner party or gathering, rations or no rations. And there was also an interesting social transition happening regarding the role of a good housewife. Um, A 1950 survey asked women to report their thoughts on a housewife who brought instant coffee versus one who brewed coffee. The women did not go easy on the housewife who purchased the instant coffee, calling her lazy, disorganized, and a bad wife. Ouch. Yeah. At the same time, the time and cost efficiency of making instant and manufactured products, along with the rate of profit seen by the producers of these things during, during World War II, meant that they weren't going anywhere. A housewife needed to be efficient and thrifty, but also put time and effort into the meals she cooked as it was seen as her role. If you just put jello in a bowl, it wasn't viewed as cooking. So what do you do? Let's make this fancy-looking aspect cheaply and efficiently and hit all the checkboxes. The aesthetic was key. Mm -hmm. And this was done with other cheap processed foods as well. Think hot dogs being used to make pigs in a blanket, for example. Sure. At their height, there were all kinds of crazy recipes like lime jello with canned tuna. Ugh. And man, the terminology in the cookbooks. Words like sinkers and floaters. Oh. Ooh, yeah. Painting quite the image there. To make the gelatin less see-through, you'd add mayo or cream. And until the 1970s, you could buy savory jello flavors like celery and Italian salad. This is not a thing that I knew. And I'm horrified. But kind of intrigued, but right? very, very intrigued. Oh, I wonder, I'm sure that you could reproduce this with some unflavored gelatin and your own seasonings at home. I'm sure. That's worth an experiment for sure. And speaking of the 1970s, that's about the time the aspic bubble burst. Ah, <sighs> yep. What happened, you ask? Changing views on dieting and nutrition happened. For the last several years of their reign, aspects started skewing more and more towards dessert. And then there was this damaging sun-dried tomato fad. <laughs> yeah, can't put a dried thing in a wet thing. Sure, that doesn't make sense. No, women started working easier than gelatin microwave-friendly meals hit the shelves. It pretty much died out, save for parts of the Midwest and South. One of my favorite descriptions I came across when researching this called the aspect a culinary fossil and a ghost. Ooh. I know. Oh, I know several chefs who would who are offended. They would disagree strongly. Yeah. Obviously, Jello is still around. They retooled after the aspects demise, quote unquote, marketing themselves as a snack or dessert option. I believe they called themselves the number one best-selling dessert in the world. I. I'll have to look into that more, but I'm pretty sure. Okay. Um, there is one state where aspects of the savory variety remain very popular, Utah, especially among the Mormon population. The state named it their state snack in 2001, and the region is sometimes called the Jello Belt. Wow. Mm-hmm. All right. And aspect-like things have stuck around in Asian American cuisine as a dumpling filling, for example. Absolutely. 
So that's kind of a roundup of this weird and wild history of aspects until now. Yeah, and now we've got some of the science behind aspects for you. But first, we've got another quick word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Westholm. I'm a person who doesn't really cook with a lot of meat, to be honest, because when I do, I want it to be special. I'm the same, and I do love sharing that food with people. And I have to say, we received some product, some steak, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I am very eager to share it with my friends. Yeah, uh, Westholm sent us uh, a few of their products, and they included these gorgeous, gigantic tomahawk steaks that I, like, opened the box and immediately sent a picture to my best grilling friend, like, hang out soon. Yes, I did too. (laughs) Westholm offers these beautifully marbled steaks because they have 16 million acres of rangeland across the northeast corner of Australia, from Brisbane to Darwin. They use a nature-led approach with the belief that if they balance the needs of their cattle with the needs of their environment, both can thrive. Their cattle graze on native grasses like Mitchell grass, which is found only in Australia, and roam wild, foraging at will for the first two to three years of their lives. The result is Wagyu beef that reflects the terroir of northern Australia, and a quality that would complement whatever you're into cooking right now. Westholm believes that when nature leads, flavor follows. Learn more at westholm.com slash savor. That's W-E-S-T-H-O-L-M-E dot com slash savor. Today's episode is brought to you by Discover Puerto Rico. We've talked in a bunch of different episodes about facets of Puerto Rican cuisine, um, like the dish mofongo, made of savory, deep-fried mashed plantains studded with some kind of tasty protein, and the creation of the cool, creamy piña colada. But there is so much more there. Um, I've actually never been. You have a tiny bit of experience, don't you? Yes. Unfortunately, it was a very tiny bit of experience. Mm-hmm. I was there for about a day. I'm kicking myself for that now. I remember having delicious rums, delicious drinks. But I want to go back because, yeah, so many episodes we do on here, when we're talking about food from Puerto Rico, I want that. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it sounds amazing. We're trying to get a saver team trip yeah. together. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> well, I mean, we're, we're trying to get a trip to a lot of places, but this is, yeah. this is really top of the list. Even putting together this ad read made me hungry. I was like, oh, oh, I want to try those things. Yeah, as we've talked about before, there are influences there from African and Spanish and native Taino foodways. The culinary scene sounds amazing, and we want to go. And I'm hungry. No passport is required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. You can learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Your new home journey starts at Fisher Homes, where everything is red, white, and new. Explore exclusive summer savings and start your journey by selecting your ideal home site and your dream community. Choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans and bring your style to life at the Lifestyle Design Center. Are you looking for a quick move-in ready home instead? Fisher Homes has options for those, too. Fill out a form to connect with a new home advisor at fisherhomes.com to get started today before the sun sets on summer savings. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Okay, so... Science-wise, there are two important factors in making an aspic that's both pretty and tasty. Uh, the, the gelling agent and the crystal clear soup stock. 
First, let's talk about the stock. Uh, clarifying a cloudy stock into a translucent consomme is tricky. Uh, some of the particles that make a stock cloudy are too tiny to effectively sift out with strainers or cheesecloth, um, although that is certainly your first step. But as Maestro Martino wrote in the 1500s, you can harness the power of electromagnetics to clarify your stock. Whoa. Well, he didn't quite say that. Uh, he said that you should beat egg whites and add them to simmering stock, but, but ultimately it's what he meant. Egg whites, as it turns out, contain a protein called albumin, which are positively charged molecules. Uh, lots of the stuff floating in your stock is negatively charged. Positives and negatives attract, so all of that stuff sticks to the albumin particles in the egg whites. Uh, after a while, a sort of raft of detritus forms, and you can just skim it off, leaving a much clearer soup. You can also use gelatin or other products that work in a similar electromagnetic way to achieve a clear consomme. And the, te the technique has also been used in winemaking since the 1600s at least. It created such a surplus of egg yolks in Bordeaux that it started a, spe a specialty pastry trade there. And we will have to come back to this later because it's great. Absolutely. Okay. Um, there's a lot of discussion, by the way, among chefs about how to create the most flavorful yet the most transparent consomme. Way too much to go into here. Those are the basics. Now, that gelling agent. As we talked about in our marshmallow episode, gelatin is a really useful thing in food chemistry because it, it solidifies at around... 95 degrees Fahrenheit, a.k.a. 35 degrees Celsius, and it melts at anything above that, which is why things like jello melt in your mouth, thus delivering flavor directly to your tongue. Uh, gelatin is a protein, and it's made up of these long, friendly chains of amino acids. By friendly, I mean that they're super willing to bond up into complex matrices at room temperature, and they are also happy to form bonds with water molecules. Uh, gelatin chains can have hundreds of hydrogen atoms sticking out along their sides, each of which can bond weakly with a water molecule when the temperature is cool enough. So what happens is you add gelatin to warm water, and the warmth makes all the gelatin molecules slip and slide and wiggle apart from each other. As they cool, they chill out, literally. And mm. they grab up some water molecules, and they cling together in these complex patterns, trapping the water among themselves. Jello mold. If you warm it up again, say in your mouth, all of those molecules start sliding away from each other again. Gelatin itself is flavorless, but anything soluble in water, uh, flavorings and colorings, will uh, come along for the ride. Oh. Mm-hmm. You get gelatin by breaking down collagen, which is even longer chains of amino acids that are all twined up together. Uh, collagen is a connective protein in and around cells that, that gives them a flexible structure. It makes up about 30% of your body weight, actually, and it's especially prevalent in skin and tendons and bones, which is why feet are so effective in making these gelatin stocks because uh, they, they've got all these tendons and lots of surface area of the bones and the skin, so you've got plenty of opportunity to leach the collagens out. So when you boil these tissues, the, the collagen inside them untwines, leaving you with gelatin molecules. And what's happening when you cool the gelatin down is the molecules are sort of trying to, to reform those twiny collagen patterns and sort of failing, but failing deliciously. That's the best way to fail. Mm-hmm. These days, many chefs might prepare their aspics with packaged gelatin or with vegetarian alternatives like uh, seaweed extracts. But purists will tell you that you really do need to boil some animal feet. And gelatin may carry health benefits. Ooh. 
When uh, gelatin supplements are taken with vitamin C, they've sometimes been shown to improve patients' uh, bl- blood levels of the markers of collagen synthesis to help, like, repair bones and keep your teeth and skin healthy, stuff like that, sure. Um, and gelatin is certainly a source of protein, but mostly you should eat it if you like it. Yeah. Um, I have to say I've got a newfound respect for gelatin now. There's a lot of very interesting science right there. I know. I love it. Right. So... In case we haven't convinced you that you need to look up some pictures of these things, here are some of the best aspect titles we stumbled upon. And I think the titles enough will be enough to pique your curiosity. I hope so. Okay, yeah. All right. A lot of them sound like modern art pieces to me. Oh, I know. So there's a lime cheese salad, tuna and jello pie, super salad loaf, a recipe courtesy of Hellman's Mayo. This involved stuffing an empty bologna shell with the jelly of mashed peas and heaping with mayo. And also you got bonus points for adding radish roses. Oh, radish roses were everywhere in these things. Yes. Um, along those lines, molded mayonnaise salad. <sighs> mostly cheese and mayo. Snowy chicken confetti salad. Emerald cantaloupe. Jellied lamb salad. Sauerkraut mold, <laughs> fruit and stuffed roast pork, bean and mushroom salad, lemony salmon tower, <laughs> pressed ox tongue. So that'll, I mean, surely you're hungry by now. Oh. Surely. You've got to be. Absolutely. So that brings us to the end of this classic episode. Uh, we're hoping everyone. Oh, yeah. yeah, we hope you enjoyed it as much as I remember enjoying it the first time. So good. Oh yeah, yeah. And we were we were so bitty. We didn't even know how to pronounce Pliny yet. It was oh. it was a oh, it was a minute ago. Oh, I we know, were so right? Young, so innocent. <laughs> <laughs> um, we hope that you all are staying safe and healthy and well. And if you have any pictures of aspects you've made or stumbled across, send them. Please send them. Share them all. Share them all right all, now. Yes, yes. Please. You can email us at hello at saverpod.com. We're also on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at saverpod. And we do hope to hear from you. Saver is production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app or Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thank you, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening. Stay safe, stay kind, stay well-fed, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. 
Your new home journey starts at Fisher Homes, where everything is red, white, and new. Explore exclusive summer savings and start your journey by selecting your ideal home site and your dream community. Choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans and bring your style to life at the Lifestyle Design Center. Are you looking for a quick move-in ready home instead? Fisher Homes has options for those, too. Fill out a form to connect with a new home advisor at fisherhomes.com to get started today before the sun sets on summer savings. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash covers your skin in layers of rich moisturizers and vitamin B3 complex, transforming your skin from dry and dull to moisturized, soft and smooth in just 14 days. Feel the best in your skin and glow with confidence, all pride. For the third year, Olay Body is a proud sponsor of iHeartRadio and P&G's Can't Cancel Pride and supporter of the LGBTQ plus community. So this pride glow with confidence, not just all month, but all year long. Check out Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash online or at your favorite retailer.